Hello, and welcome to Rocket, Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. I'm Simone de Rochefort, Senior Video Producer at Polygon, and I'm here as always with Brianna Wu, Executive Director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. Hello. So we got a tweet this week. Uh, uh, well, the Rocket, uh, Charles Tan, uh, noticed that our show is officially six years old this week, which I think is awesome. Charles Tan is my hero. He is so I know, great. Th- thank you, Charles, because I, I would not have known that. Yeah. And and it's actually as – and it, the amazing thing is it's actually as we're recording today. We're recording on a Tuesday, and today is actually the sixth anniversary of our show being released, of our first episode being released. Wow. Wait, Christina, are you saying you forgot our anniversary? I you am. Forgot our, oh, oh, I'm devastated. Sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> sorry, Simone. What were you saying? Um, today, actually, Tuesday is the day. Are you telling me our first episode came out on a Tuesday? No, it, it, it came out on um, January nineteenth, nineteenth, two thousand five. So yeah, gotcha. I don't know what day that was. It was probably a Wednesday. I don't know. All right. Oh wow. Anyway, um. We, I should mention, are recording this on Tuesday, January 19th. Uh, mm-hmm. You American listeners might know that that is the day before the inauguration. Um, we take no responsibility for what mood you might be in on Thursday when this episode <laughs> comes out. I hope you will be in an ecstatic and peaceful mood. Let's talk about some tech. Yeah, that's what we're going to do this week. So we've got, as always... Our classic Apple rumor klaxon. <laughs> Although it's a it's a German report, so maybe less of a rumor and more of a I I don't know a, an assured honk. Spoiler! Um, <laughs> it's a spoiler. It's a spoiler. That, that, that's what Jason Snell called it, which yep. I liked. He called it an assured honk. Oh no, he no, called he- it spoilers. Yeah, in the Six Colors blog post. <laughs> really, wow, Jason and I really working on the same wavelength here. Um, and then we're going to talk about some e-ink readers, and then we're going to talk about some cool work that Bree's done in her new old car. Very, very old portion. Very yes. old car, new to you, new to me. What you've new to the car, what you've done to it. <laughs> but first, involving Apple technology. By the oh way. yeah, that's true. So it is a, a pretty uh, an, a nice Apple uh, sandwich. <laughs> traditionally you would put the apple inside the sandwich but for us the apple is outside the sandwich uh because we are beginning with talking about apple spoilers (laughs) Uh, mark german at bloomberg is reporting a host of mac centric refreshes including new mac desktops a redesigned imac uh also a mac pro retaining the intel processors and a half-sized Mac Pro that would theoretically run, allegedly run, on Apple's new M1 silicon chips, which I love. Uh, mm-hmm. And on top of that, a new monitor. Am I am I not wrong? A lower-priced external uh, monitor. Lower-priced monitor. And then uh, um, Ming Chao Kuo uh, is uh, saying that there will be new... Uh, there will be a new 14-inch MacBook Pro and a 16-inch MacBook Pro, and there will be some changes coming to that, which will be, like, pleasant for everyone who's ever owned a MacBook Pro and hated the ones that came out in 2016 and later. Juicy and delicious is what I find this story. Okay, what do you you guys want to talk about first? Uh, Let's start with the least sexy thing and then just escalate in sexiness. Don't see the the monitor. No, I was going to say the iMac. The iMac. Oh, I was the iMac the least sexy? But, I, I mean, controversial. It could be. It wow. iMac uh, erasure here. I feel like I, I'm, I'm the only one who uses it. I, well, no, you we are all not. Use I use an right. iMac. I was going to say, Free, you use an iMac Pro. I use an like, iMac Pro, which is very different. I'm I'm better. I'm better. <laughs> <laughs> I paid $5,000 and it's black. I'm, I'm I, I, I I also paid five thousand dollars. It's not black, but it's uh, uh yeah. Mine anyway. belongs to my company, and it's six <laughs> years old. <laughs> so okay, so Simone, actually, that's a great point because you're the person who really gets the most out of an iMac. I think mm-hmm. um, when you're like you know not like recording like from like your home office situation, especially because you have a big screen. It's a nice editing machine. What would you like to see in a newly designed, like in a newly designed iMac? 
Well, I'm actually pretty psyched about the rumored form factor change, making it have a flat back instead of the curved back. Uh huh. Because my iMac, it it just takes up so much. Baby room. got back. Baby got back. Uh, and currently, as I work from home, I don't really have a desk. What I have is a sort of uh, vanity slash credenza, which houses my iMac, a bunch of like jewelry and hair, all my hair stuff. It's it's a freaking mess over there. I'm looking at it right now and I'm full of hatred. Um, mm. So anything that kind of retains the size of the screen, which I used to edit videos, but then lowers the overall, I guess, a depth of the machine. Delicious. Also, this is, am I wrong in thinking this would be the M1 chip redesign yes. for the iMac? Yes. That's correct. So that, for me, as I have been thirsting for um, ever since <laughs> I heard the rumor that Vox might, if we, it, when we get new machines, spring for the M1s, uh, I thirst for that because, frankly, I've come fully around. I know I said I, for, for a personal machine, I would not buy an, a MacBook or an iMac with the M1 chip until uh, all of the Adobe suite has been uh, updated for it. However, if it's a machine that's being supplied to me by my, mm-hmm. uh, my, <laughs> I almost said, oh God, who is the, who is the person who employs me? My employer, <laughs> by my employer, Vox Media. Um, I, I just, I, I feel like it would completely change my life because like I said, I'm working on a very old machine. Um, and even I've heard what, from what I've heard, even the unoptimized, Adobe programs run so smoothly and render so quickly, I would frankly just be honored, just be honored to try it. You know, that's what I'm looking for, Christina. Thank you. What do you think, Brie? I I think, you know, I think we forget just how old the design of the the iMac is. Mm-hmm. I mean, the tw- this, this version, the 27-inch iMac, more or less I mean, it's been around since about 2009, right? That like, is I correct. Re- Late yeah. 2009 is is when the aluminum um, uh, unibody design came out. And then they they shifted basically to the exact model they have now when the first 5K iMac came out in right. 2014. Yeah. And they, they tweaked the back of it a little bit to make it seem a little bit thinner at one point. Like yeah, in 2014. To, yeah. But I mean, it's it's... It's it's just a it's a dated design to be honest, and mm-hmm. you know it having uh, allegedly uh, the same look as the uh, the XKR monitor. I think that that's a good direction for it. Um, but I I'm, I'm excited about that. The M1 chip it comes with trade offs, but I, it's inevitable we're going to go that way. So I just need to stop complaining about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, also Apple's relationship with Unreal isn't really good right now so that you know what there are things that i will never stop complaining about so you go ahead and you speak your truth (laughs) i will live in the reality so (laughs) i'm excited with that but i just think an imac is inherently a less interesting product than say uh, a macbook right yeah I, I agree and I disagree. I don't know. I feel like the I feel like the iMac gets and apologies for the uh, sirens out there. I feel like the iMac gets a bad rap. I feel like the iMac, especially as it's become more powerful over the years, and that is one thing I hope that they keep with with the redesign because um, even before the iMac Pro um, and and even like the model after, like like the one that I currently have, they have like some of the best machines that you can configure from Apple unless you're willing to spend ten thousand dollars. And you get this display that until presumably rumored, you know, Apple is going to be coming out with like a, a less expensive display. So congratulations, everyone. You won't have to spend $6,000 to get a screen made by Apple. Um, you know, that's been like the one way you could kind of get it all in one package. And so I don't know. I feel like people sleep on the iMac a little bit, whereas like I've really appreciated it since I've been stuck working from home for as long as I have been, where I've been like, yeah, you know what? Like, because I went from like a laptop as being my primary computing thing to my iMac, which I'd had at home. And then I, I, you know, recently bought a new one. I'm like, no, you know what? I think that in these scenarios, it makes sense. So I'm with you. The design is dated as hell. Um, I, I still have it on my desk, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. That said, and, and I'm dead serious about this. I'm not going to like rush out to replace what I just spent like $4,500 on with yep. the new one. I, I'm very, very, very happy with what I have. Christina, can I 
ask how you would display or store a retired iMac? Because I feel like knowing you, you wouldn't recycle it or throw it away. You would probably hang on to that thing. No, I mean, I've sold the past ones is what I've done. Okay, okay. But I don't have the room. I wish I had. the I mean, last one, because I feel like you've done this before where it's been the yeah, last model of a thing. I mean, that's your iMac actually, right? It is. It is. Actually, it is the last one. And that one's interesting because I have – I got the Vesa model, meaning it doesn't have a stand. It, it um, hangs on like an arm. So in that case, it's just the screen, which actually would make it easier mm. to kind of hang on to and then mount somewhere, which would be kind of cool. All right. Uh, Let's actually talk about the monitor since that came up. So uh, I don't believe we have a theoretical price on this yet, Uh, but this would essentially be a new standalone monitor that could hook up to the Mac Pro or whatever this smaller Mac Pro is um, and would theoretically (laughs) cost less than, as you mentioned, Christina, the $5,000 monitor with the $1,000 stand, which every, I, I forget about that because I'm an iMac user. I'm like, my screen and my computer are one. And I forget that there's the standalone monitor. And then I remember the price of it and I feel right. stunned. Um, this feels like a no brainer to me. Like I, I, maybe it's the sexiest to me product here, but yeah, make a freaking monitor that hooks up to your computers that costs less than $6,000. Seriously, seriously. The one thing I will, like, I guess prepare people for is that it'll be less than 6000 but I don't think anybody should expect it to be, like, less than $1,000. Um, the Thunderbolt displays, when Apple made and sold those, were over $1,000. The LG Ultrafine uh, 5K displays, one of which that I have that I, I bought off of our uh, boss, Stephen Hackett, um, you know, the MSRP was over a thousand dollars. Who knows? They, they're not going to charge. I, in my opinion, there's What's no way that it'll be under a thousand dollars. Cause yeah. I have two of the Apple cinema displays. You might've and... gotten them for cheaper, but their MSRP yeah. when they were out was, a, was, was over a thousand. Oh no. Well, I bought them from the Apple store new, but I mean, I've had these things literally two, uh, I have one Thunderbolt display and one Apple cinema display. Bloomberg is Ten, saying nine ninety nine. Yeah. So okay. yeah, that's about that's about why I paid for it. And right, that's I have what I'm to saying. Say, fantastic monitor, fantastic yeah. monitor has served me well. Has never had a second of trouble through operating system upgrades or any of that. And I know there are a lot of people out there that are like, "Well, I can get this, you know, monitor from you know Samsung uh, or Monoprice for five six hundred dollars." And you're right. If you're price sensitive, like that is fine to do. But I can say for me, it's sure. been a great, great purchase and do not regret it at all. No, that, that that's a good point. I think though, where people will want to be, will need to wait for reviews and, and and things like that is that the ultra fine displays, which LG makes have not been great. Uh, there've been, they had a number of quality control um, problems with the first version that like didn't work with Wi-Fi for certain things. The second version was better. People have, you know, had other kind of reports of, of issues LG's warranty isn't super fantastic. And LG makes the panels. And LG made the panels in the Thunderbolt displays and in um, the uh, Cine displays and the iMac. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these things really comes down to, to quality control. And, and if Apple's going to take ownership of it, then I, I would agree with you. Um, I think that I, I don't know if it's always worth the, the price over what Apple's selling, if you can get the identical panel, but it certainly is going to give you some um, peace of mind. But this is one of those weird things where, you know, I remember when Apple, they stopped selling standalone computer displays. They discontinued their Thunderbolt display about five years ago. And, um, you know, that was kind of a conscientious decision. And I remember talking to them then and they they kind of didn't discount. We'll never say never, but it did seem very finite. Like, we're not going to do this anymore. If they come back to this space, which is an interesting time for them to do it, right? Because you have a lot of competition, not for Mac monitors per se, but in the higher end, the 4K high refresh rate monitors, which Macs can't use because they can't recognize anything over 60 hertz. But I digress. Um, that that puts them, I think, in a weird place where, like, actually, people are not mad to spend a thousand dollars on a really high quality monitor, whereas maybe. Five years ago, that was not the case. So they might have an opening, especially if they could make it competitive and make it seem like, hey, it's only a fifth of the price of the one that we sell you without a stand. Can we officially place bets right now uh, for how expensive we think the monitor is going to be? I, I I would bet between 900 and 1200 Same. 
Yeah, it won't be under a thousand. Is is my bet is that it will not be under a thousand dollars. I'm gonna go high. I'm gonna shoot high and say two thousand. Mm, I'll take that bet. I'll 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 bet you Simone Uh-oh. a dollar. It will be <gasps> under. It will be under fifteen hundred. All right, I'll get my Venmo ready. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk. Let's move on to the Mac Pros, the pair of Mac Pros. So I'm not saying Mac Mini because that hasn't been mentioned by anyone. What people are saying is a pair of new Mac Pro desktop Mm -hmm. computers, Um, one that is a size and then one that is a smaller size, (laughs) one that has Intel still and one that has Apple Silicon. Uh, I don't really know what to make of, of this this particular item. I don't like it if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, I I feel like, I mean, look, I, I guess part of me feels like, okay, they invested all this time in redesigning and creating this Intel Mac Pro of professionals' dreams. Professionals got about, what, like 10 months of use out of it before <laughs> yep. the M1 chips came out. Um, and, and, and are maybe going to get by the time, you know, these things come out, if, if we're, if we're even saying it's going to be sometime this year, it could be late this year. It could be next year. Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe two years max with it. Um, but I could also see that like the R and D that obviously went into it, it was a very lengthy process where, you know, they, they kind of started from, from scratch. And I really do feel like after they'd had that meeting with certain tech reporters in like 2017 was when they kind of like went back to the drawing board and started their process. So I could, I could see them wanting to recoup their tooling costs and other stuff by releasing, continuing to release another high-end, um, Xeon system and, and maybe some support for some higher-end uh, uh, graphics cards, uh, especially now that um, the next uh, uh, NVIDIA, uh, not NVIDIA, uh, Apple hates NVIDIA, the next uh, AMD <laughs> big Navi cards are out. But I don't know. I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Bree. I, I feel like I, I don't, I like the idea of having the smaller M1-based Mac Pro, but I also just feel like this is just so muddled and such a weird message to send to you know, your very small user base who has been willing to spend upwards of $10,000 on one of your computers to yeah. like make it even more confusing. Yeah, well, it's like, it's it's almost like Apple is like simultaneously selling the Mac Pro and trying to sabotage the Mac Pro right. behind the scenes, right? Because you got the trash can Mac Pro infamously with the huge power supply problems and display problems. Like, like uh, no think, upgradeability. No yeah. Upgrade, yeah. I think historically people look at that and they're like, that's not the best thing that they came up with. And then they do this move with the M1 chip and it's, it's literally like everyone that went out and even if you even if you're not Trump data analyst you know fifty sixty thousand dollar Mac normal people can't do that even if you only spent ten thousand dollars on it it's like Apple saying F you buddy <laughs> completely like, like, so I mean maybe they'll do this but it's like it's it's like like buying a Mac Pro is like going on a cruise right now right like maybe it will be fun maybe it will work out there's some really disturbing track records out there <laughs> to consider maybe you've spent a lot of money and it was a bad idea right right yeah not, yeah. not like me and my iMac Pro no, which was a good decision <laughs> we all make yeah. really good decisions only yeah no i mean that's the thing and and i say this as someone who did consider getting a mac pro because i was dumb and i was just caught oh, up in yeah. the yeah we the, had to the talk you moments. down from that didn't we yeah, and, and honestly, the person who really talked me down, it was Syracuse. It was John Syracuse who was like, Christina, no, why would you do that? <laughs> and I was, I was like, okay, if John Syracuse is telling me no, if he's talking like reason into me, <laughs> then then I need to listen. Wow. Um, that 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 said, I mean, if they if they retain I will say this with the M1 um uh Mac Pro, if that is a real thing. If they made it still modular, like maybe they just made it half size the case. So it's not like the full tower, but it's it's half size and it, it still had a couple of expansion slots so you could plug things in and and um you know put in either a different video card or other drives or other assorted peripherals. I would be down with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, yeah. I I actually think that that would be really good. I'm I'm building a gaming PC right now that I'm desperately trying to get parts for. And the case that I got that I'll be getting this weekend um, when it finally arrives, it's called a mini, but it's really not. It's really kind of like a standard 
you know, like mid-tower case, but compared to the other cases in this series, it is smaller, but it's still like 40 liters, but it's like a decent small kind of little size. And it uses a special type of power supply to, to save on like like space and whatnot. And like something like that, but maybe even more compact, I feel like would be a really good size. And and certainly, you know, um, not as much of a like you wouldn't have to presumably you wouldn't need to buy four hundred dollar wheels for <laughs> for that one to never move it around. say never, Christina. Uh, this is true. I just have to say, if Syracuse is trying to talk you out of buying a Mac Pro, that is like 1990s Robert Downey Jr. telling you you have a drug problem. Like you, should, you should listen to him at that point. Uh, agreed. And I did. That's exactly why I did. I was like, he was the one who ultimately I was like, I was like, well, well, well darn, like if, if Syracuse is like saying, Christina, you've gone <laughs> off the deep end, then I really need to reassess like what yeah. I've done with my life. You need accountability. <laughs> you, need, uh, you need to- I need a 12-step program is what I need. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. Let's move on to the uh, most exciting, I think objectively announcement, rumor, rumor, <laughs> alleged uh-huh. rumor, <laughs> leak. Okay. MacBook Pros, back. 14 <sighs> oh. inch and 16 inch. Yes. yes. Touch bar out of no. here. Bag safe. Bye. Back. Back. Ports. More, more ports. More. Edges. Maybe even SD cards. Square. I don't I know actually it. about SD. I did did SD card. That, that's a rumor. <gasps> that they said more more. Oh, I maybe yeah maybe like that's not a guarantee, but it's a maybe, which would be and I mean, basically, it seems like they're gonna bring back the 15 inch MacBook Pro that we all loved. The best and, machine like, of just all pretend time? like the last five years didn't happen. You guys, how many times on this show have I said while recording this podcast on my 2015 15-inch MacBook Pro, I will die before I am separated from this machine. I will never <laughs> return it to get the battery serviced. I don't care. I would rather catch on fire and have a Viking funeral with my MacBook <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, than risk anything happening to it. Um, this is news for your girl. This is news for me, a person who hates dongles who has never had to suffer a world without MagSafe because I refuse to give up my laptops um <laughs> who loves her function keys uh and, and who frankly adores the new square edges on the new iPads and the new iPhones like that that mm-hmm. stuff feels so elegant to me there's something that feels so pleasant about holding it and part of what I've always loved about my MacBook is how solid it feels and i feel like having having some nice sharp edges is is part of that um so I, i'm excited to have squared off sides i'm just so happy not kind of look. happy yeah <laughs> it's my birthday it's dolly parton's birthday <laughs> and frankly i thank her for this news um yeah no you're dead on this is exciting uh it's it's interesting they're just they're like rolling back every johnny ive decision ever right like <laughs> yeah. well, the, the, well, well, well late stage johnny ive right like right. that that's okay. what it is it's fair, it's fair, it's, fair, it's, fair. it's late stage johnny ive there's it's like after after johnny like became like you know uh a watch designer and other stuff like that that's when they were like okay you oh, you right. really hate all these other things we're, we're gonna roll back we're gonna be like okay 2015 or, or 2012 i guess really would would be because that was when that first design first came out like okay this is pinnacle johnny i this is what we're gonna stick with yeah um i i'm here for it the, the other big thing would be that the screen size from the, on the 13 inch would go to 14 inches yep what i would hope that they would do with that would be they would change maybe the um orientation so that it would be um uh the um uh three by by four um, aspect ratio that uh, like the Surface laptop and some of the other Windows machines have, which is really nice. It's, it's taller, but you still have like high resolution. Uh, I, I doubt it. I, they'll probably stick with 1610, but um, even just having a little bit more space and less bezels, um, I'm da- I'm here for it. My uh, my MateBook X Pro that, that I got a couple years ago had a 14.1 um, inch screen, but was physically the same size as my 13 inch MacBook. And it had a higher resolution screen to boot. So you can certainly do it in the space. Um, uh, Huawei proved that. So I I love it. Um, and if MagSafe comes back, like, mm. wow. That meme of Antonio to- Banderas just like leaning away from the computer with his eyes closed in bliss. <laughs> That's me just now. 
I'm trying to figure out how they're going to do that, though. I mean, do you think they're going to bring out like MagSafe three? Like a, 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 I mean, are they going to find some weird way to pack um, this into a USB C cable? I, I'm, I'm really I, curious. So I think that they will do if they bring MagSafe back. I think they will do the same thing that Dell and Lenovo and um, a number of other laptop makers do, which is they have a proprietary power port. However, the laptop can still charge over USB-C. Right. So you could you could still use your USB-C cable with it and, and charge it just fine. But you have a, the proprietary port, which could either go faster or, in this case, have the magnetic connector. And right. um, Razer's done that, too. Um, and, and so that, that's what I would guess they would do here. Uh, I personally think that would be the most elegant solution. I would like that for two reasons. One, I think it'd be more elegant than trying to do a break-off USB, you know, type C MagSafe thing. Cause we've seen a ton of third parties try to do that really doesn't work. And, and at that point, you know, you have kind of a weird thing like, okay, is my cable connected? Is it not like that? That just creates issues. The other thing though, and this is a bigger one is that I really like the idea of if you want, if you, you know, especially if you're on a desk, having the dedicated power port so that you have the Thunderbolt port free for accessories. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That seems like the way to go. Can we just like talk about touch bar though and the reason yeah. this thing needs to die? I have literally in all the years I've owned my 13-inch MacBook, I've never the only experience I've had with the touch bar is accidentally launching Siri. And I know I'm not alone. And the lack of an escape key drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. I, I loathe it. And I'm not usually somebody on like the, the, the death panel for technology, but I just, I mean, there's no hell that's hot enough for, for the touch bar. It is a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, I love Touch ID on the Mac. That is yeah. basically w what I can do. The one thing I do find myself using on it a lot is, you know, uh, but but I could be just as happy with the function key to be very clear, is adjusting the brightness. Like That's really kind of the only thing with the slider that I do appreciate that. Yeah, that's like a natural gesture to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Give yeah. me the buttons. No. Uh, I was going to say, the thing Die. is, I, I have no problem using a button, you know, to, to adjust the brightness as I had um, years beforehand. I will quote myself from my headline that um, Apple did not like. Um, mm. From uh, November 14th, 2016, the, MacBook's Pro, the MacBook Pro's touch bar is a gimmick that's not worth the money in parentheses yet. I was actually very nice uh, and tried really hard to, like, be constructive about the touch bar. And, and I have to say, like, I'm going back through the review, like I really tried to be constructive and to see, Hey, maybe developers will develop an ecosystem around this. Maybe this will create new paradigms or whatnot, but reader, it did not, never, it, it did not reader. <laughs> it did not like I, you know, like the, yeah, the headline was, was, was snarky and, and whatnot, but it also was accurate. Like I look back on this, you know, four uh, years and change later and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, it was a gimmick. And I think with very few exceptions, if you use better touch tool and a couple of other things, you could make it kind of, you know, work for you. But no, it, I miss the escape key. I think it's really telling, you know, the fact that like what they did on like the MacBook Air and, and even um, some of the, the later version of MacBook Pros are like bringing a physical escape key back, even if they still have the touch bar, like that says something, right? It's like, oh, you, you know, you know what you did. You know what you did. <laughs> they do know what they did. All right. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We all know how a VPN protects your privacy and security online. And I don't mean to say that in a really flippant way because it's so important. But also, did you know you it can take your TV watching to the next level by unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? Because uh, guess what? That's what you can do with ExpressVPN. Uh, if you're new to this podcast, remember back when I could travel, I went to Italy uh, last summer, the summer before the pandemic, and uh, I found out that HBO, what was at the time HBO Go, I'm going to cry, was not available in that country and I needed to start watching Barry. And I was like, hold up. You know what I have? ExpressVPN. And yeah, lo, I did log the heck in. And lo, I did watch Barry in an Italian hotel. And I felt secure doing it because 
uh, I was using a VPN rather than just being on their sketchy hotel Wi-Fi. That's great. Uh, ExpressVPN hides your IP address so you can control where you want sites to think you're located, and you can choose from almost 100 different countries. So in that case, I was in Italy, but I pretended I was in America, which is the only time anyone has ever wanted to do that. Um, Just think about all the Netflix libraries that you can go through while you are sitting in your home after almost a full year of a pandemic running out of all the Netflix. But wait... There are other Netflixes. Uh, You can use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix. And it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, whatever you want. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast, which is what you want when you're watching shows. There's no buffering, no lag, and you can stream in HD. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all of your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more, so you can watch what you want wherever you want. If you go to this link right now, expressvpn.com rockets, you can get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. Support this show, watch what you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash rocket. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Boom. All right, topic two today. Our own Christina Warren has been doing some exploring into a realm of tech that we seldom touch upon e-ink readers uh, and, and tablets and tablets and you yes. sent us a link for what pc mag is calling an ideal e-ink tablet um the onyx books note air review air <laughs> reading yes. the whole headline there air review that's what it's called it's called the onyx books note air and i will briefly pause here and say i spent a while puzzling this one out because books They've decided to spell it B-O-O-X. And I yep. was like, books. Books. Exactly. What does this sound like? What's the word that this sounds like? Books. Oh, it's books. Yeah. Anyway, tell us right. about this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, a flashback to, I guess, March, where I think um, we part of us still are, right? I mean, I feel like the world is still stuck in March of, of 2020 sometimes. Mm-hmm. And there, there's an, so I guess flashback even further than that, there is um, a whole cadre of e-ink uh, writing tablets. So a lot of people know e-ink if you have a Kindle or like a Kobo reader or something else. And that's primarily how people have interacted with it. The great thing about e-ink is that the refresh rate is low, but you can read it, you know, outdoors um, or in bright light. They you can get front um, um, lit screens um, so you can read them, you know, um, uh, in the dark and things like that, too. The clarity is really, really high. The PPI is really high and it's easier on your eyes than um, like uh, an LED or an LCD screen is. So it uh, and that also means that it can be really good for battery life. So you can have a really compact thin device where you can get, you know, like weeks and weeks of battery life on it. Um there's also kind of this this uh, secondary kind of market of e-ink writing tablets, and it started with a, a device called the Remarkable Tablet, and Sony made a number has made a couple of devices too, where they really are all about people who are wanting to take written notes. So if you want to basically replicate the experience of writing on paper, but you want it to be digital, so you want to be able to have the ability for you know to do um, instant you know kind of optical character recognition and, and um, handwriting you know to text um, translations that sort of thing but you don't like either the experience of drawing on glass with something like an iPad or you don't like what that screen does to your eye or you're just a gadget nerd like me and you want to play with things. So in March, I pre-ordered a Remarkable 2 tablet and it was supposed to be out, I think, in July or something like that. Uh, I got it in November is when I finally got it. But that's not what this is a review of, although I can talk about that maybe um, later at some point. What I did when that came out when it was finally shipping to me after a number of delays. Onyx um, updated their books line or books line, and they released this Note Air, which is a very similar form factor-wise to the Remarkable 2. It costs about the same amount of money, 
but it has some advantages. Uh, the primary one being that it runs Android, meaning you can load Android apps like the the Kindle app or the Audible app or you know other sorts of um, you know e-reading applications on it. But it also has a really nice like Wacom. A uh, capacitive um, uh, screen for you know writing on and, and drawing and that sort of thing. It's pretty responsive. It's lightweight. It has a front lit uh, uh, display, and so I ordered one of those as well. And I got it, and I've been playing around um, with it, um, you know, for a little over a month now, and um, I really like it. Actually, I think that this is one of those devices that for a lot of people you're not going to need it, right? Like this is the sort of thing where I think that if you're the sort of person who would like these sorts of, of e-ink devices, it you're primarily somebody who's either taking a ton of notes or you really like the idea of a distraction-free kind of device and, and you prefer or want as close to a physical writing on paper experience as possible. And, and that's kind of what this offers. So um, I got one. I, I paid for it myself. Um, I will say that Onyx has reached out to me, and they are going to be sending me a couple of other devices to review uh, as time goes on um, to kind of compare things with. But this device is four hundred eighty dollars, which is a lot, and and that's honestly like the biggest downside is that this is for all of these types of devices, it's an investment, right? Like you're basically paying as much as you would pay for an iPad for something that is a lot less useful on the surface, right? It has less utility, but for what it does do, it's really well-structured. So for instance, it is great at, at taking handwritten notes. And what I've been really impressed with is how quickly it can convert those notes into text. And it can do that both online and off. So even if you're not connected to the internet at all, it can still do the conversion, which is really nice. Mm. Um, and it can also search through your handwritten notes because the, the OCR stuff is really good. The other big thing is that if you are marking up a lot of PDFs or if you're going through uh, other types of documents um, and and you like I could see this being really great for students or for for doctors, for anybody who's dealing with tons and tons of um, like very large um, files. This is one of the best ways I've ever had of being able to kind of go through those sorts of things to be able to mark it up. And then you can export, um, you know, your annotations as PDFs with whatever you want. You can search through your notes that sort of thing. And, and it has a, a 10.3 inch screen. So if you do want to use it as, you know, a, a Kindle replacement, um, you can do that too. Uh, it has Bluetooth. So it, it can also work, you know, as, as an audio book, you know, kind of listener and whatnot. Um, it's a really niche, it's kind of interesting. It's like this, this niche kind of category of devices, but I've discovered there is this small, but kind of growing community of people who really like them. And, um, I'd never used an Onyx device before. I just read some reviews, seen some YouTube videos. I'll actually have a link. We'll have a link at the show notes for um, a guy um, who, um, uh, um, uh, I think his name is Veja, who uh, does um, My Deep Guide, where he does like incredibly in-depth comparisons between the different manufacturers and you know the latency between the pen and paper and that sort of thing. And, and it's really interesting. But what I will say is like as good as the Apple Pencil 2 is, and it's you know great, like there's less latency on the Onyx when it comes to writing. Wow. Like it 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 honestly does feel probably like one of the closest experiences I've ever had to you know, writing on paper, except I'm using a pen and uh, an e-ink tablet. I'm curious about um, cross-platform compatibility. So one of the reasons that I love my iPad, obviously, is that uh, the library app I use will sync from my iPad to my iPhone um, so I can read wherever I am. Uh, Is that something that this device would be capable of doing as well? Yeah, as long as there's an Android app for it, uh, there is. And that's actually one of the reasons why I like this more than the Remarkable. The Remarkable has actually even lower latency in the writing. Like, the Remarkable arguably has the best, like, pure writing experience. It falls down in some other areas. And 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 I'm not reviewing that one right now because, frankly, like, if I have to – it costs about the same. And if I'm recommending that somebody buy one, I'm going to say – I would say for 99% of people out there, you're going to prefer um, the books device. It's going to do more for you. Um, but uh, if there's an Android device for it, it'll work just fine. So for instance, like I read stuff in Audible or, or I listen to stuff in Audible or I read stuff in Kindle. It works with that, but it also works with OverDrive. Uh, I also have like Dropbox and, and OneDrive attached to it for syncing so I can sync my files. Like if I needed to just very quickly transfer a file from one thing to another, I can do that. Now, one thing I will note is that if you're wanting to use that handwriting experience, 
you need to use their their built-in notes app that's optimized for the device. So if you use an app like OneNote, that's not going to work. Maybe that's something that they will work on in the future of, of optimizing better. You can open OneNote on it, but it's going to be really slow. So the better thing to do would be to, you know, take the notes in in their notes application and then export that and then be able to re-import it into, you know, whatever note-taking app um, you choose. But yeah, you can you can use it with any of the major, you know, reading software stuff out there because it has the Google Play Store on it. So that is the thing that to me really kind of made it like, oh, okay, this actually has a lot more broad uses rather than just, you know, uh, being a a $500 um, device to take notes on. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, I was really interested when you showed this to us, Christina, A, because I'm just happy to have a, a topic to talk about a rocket that's uh, this gadgets, not politics yeah. like we used to be able to do. Um, but for me, um, like when I'm reading technical manuals or something, when, when I'm, I'm sitting down reading something, I really need to absorb it. I mark the hell out of it. I Same. mean, I I know people that read books <laughs> like and treat them like precious things are going to yell at me, but um like the books I have are just destroyed because I I find like as I underline passages it helps me remember it and I take notes and I was I was really thrilled to see the um you know that you can like just out of the box with this, open it up, start taking a note on a page, it will save. That was a selling feature to me. But then I started to look more in depth at the, um, at the, 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 the uh, responsiveness of the yeah. screen. And it just doesn't, I mean, it looks like an iPad of like well, it's a e-ink. long time ago. Totally. Right. Yeah. No, no. Th- yeah. yeah the, re- the refresh rate is, is um, because of how e-ink works. It is right. not going to be like an LCD. Um, no, I'm not it, talking about the changing pages. I'm talking like scrolling up and down the page. Yeah, I, no, yeah, totally. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and that, that's all because of, of e-ink. It's a lot better than it was. And I will say that is definitely one of those things. I think with reading, I haven't had any issues with it, especially, you know, kind of going page to page. If you're doing quick scrolling, yeah, you notice that it's, you know, taking more time to populate just like a Kindle does. But if for for regular kind of reading stuff, I haven't had any issues, and its cache is pretty big. The area though where I would say, but there definitely is going to be some stutter. It's not going to be like an iPad experience. I will say though, the area where it is really nice is that the latency that you have, like for writing, is next to zero. You know, it, it's it's very very close to the experience you would actually get like physically writing something. And it has, you know, pressurized support. So you could use different, you know, um, you know, uh, with different, you know, pen types um, or brush types, I guess, you know, you can get different um, results uh, when, when you're drawing or sketching or writing with it, which is nice. Um, So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I want to be clear to anybody, like if you're buying this and you're expecting like the, the fluidity that you would have with, with an iPad, even like an original iPad, that's not how these screens work. And and maybe someday they will be there, but that's certainly not how they are now. Mm-hmm. Is the texture of the screen similar to the Kindle? It is. It is. Um, they co- the, the device comes with a couple of screen protectors that they recommend you put on. I didn't put them on, A, because they're hard to put on, and B, because I didn't really like the texture what it did to the pen nib. Oh, I don't like that either. No, <laughs> but, but so, so I, I kept it just kind of, you know, plain and I'm just going to be careful with it. And, and at that point I would say the texture is similar to the Kindle, but when you write on it, like it has a nice kind of little kind of surface to it. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it doesn't, the, the remarkable, what's nice about the remarkable is that it has more of a texture. So it does actually feel kind of gravelly when you're writing mm-hmm. on it. This isn't, this isn't quite as gravelly, but it is still has a little bit of a texture. What's interesting too, is that you can, and, and there's a whole like subreddit and people who've you know are experimenting with different pens and nib types is that you can use different pens with this. So like I I bought a rose gold Samsung um, pen uh, for something that's like for like one of their Galaxy tabs that works. Um, and I've got some other nibs too. And I got a, a pen from a company called Lamy. And I, I've been playing around with, with different types there because you can get really you know like micro specific depending on what you want to do with it. But even the I was expecting the out of the box pen to be just terrible based on everything that I'd read. It wasn't. It's I, I think that like the, the pen itself feels cheap, but the writing experience, like the nib and stuff, I actually thought was was quite good. Nice. 
All right. Well, hopefully someday you can maybe tell us about the remarkable or uh, just continue to update us on this. But thank yeah. you for the the great review, Christina. Yeah, no, um, uh, you're welcome. I'm going to have something on my, on my website about this, too. And yeah, we'll talk about the remarkable more in depth at another time. And I think uh, I think they're sending me like a Max Lumi, which is the, oh, the huge the version of this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're sending me that one, I believe, to, to review. And that one like would be is like a 13 inch device. So that one's like. That'll be interesting because that would be ideal if you're seriously reading like a one um, size like papers and you need like the full screen like per page. Um, so I'll, I'll update, uh, listeners on, um, on that, um, as I get and as other things come out, but yeah, I just, uh, this has been one of my kind of side hobbies that I got into kind of over quarantine and I'm happy to talk about it. That's awesome. Speaking of side hobbies, <laughs> our dessert today, uh, someone's 34 year old car <laughs> had a birthday. No, someone's 34 year old car has a new uh car play installed brianna tell us what you have done all right all right so i love this so one of the things i feel really strongly about is that apple play is a safety feature or at least it is for me because i don't know about y'all but i have an instinctual need to like if the phone's in my hand or near me I'm I'm drawn to it to like check Twitter or whatever and just for safety reasons I find it's best to just lock it in a in a you know glove box or somewhere and have it be CarPlay that's just best for me and you know it keeps uh, because I only drive cars that are manuals you know it keeps your hands uh, off your phone you're engaged the whole time I feel very strongly about that so you know like a, a lot of people when they buy uh, a car they start planning to too fast, too furious. At uh, for me, I'm a I'm a Porsche purist, and I I just try <laughs> to make the experience as 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 awesome as I can. Right. So um, I bought a 1986 uh, Porsche 911 Targa, and uh, I wanted to put CarPlay in it. Uh, so this has like a, a single din uh, is a single din radio in it because it's a 34 year old car, <laughs> right? And, and Porsche amazingly, like you gotta follow if you follow the Porsche channel, most of the time is like race news or look at this stupid new variant of the 911 we're charging a hundred thousand dollars for, or look at the 25 year anniversary uh, edition of the Boxster with with gold wheels that we're charging $30,000 above market for come buy it. That it's usually stuff like that. But a while back, Porsche put out this, uh, uh, this 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 product and it, it's stunning because it's it's they decided to bring a new radio out for their oldest original air cooled cars, which are the cars between I believe it's 1960 1961 I believe, and uh, I think 1998 was the last year of the air cooled 911. So uh, it is a single din, really tiny thing that looks like a radio from the 70s but has a tiny little LCD display in the middle of it. Uh, and, I mean, it works just like a normal CarPlay device. And, and this is like an official Porsche license-sanctioned thing? It's an official Porsche license-sanctioned thing. It That's amazing. the modern Porsche navigation software on it. Wow. If you suffered a head injury and you want to pay Porsche the the $1,000 for their maps that are so much worse than right. iPhone maps. Uh, it has that, and it's got the Porsche logo on it, if you guys show that off or whatever, because <laughs> you have issues. But I have to tell you guys, um, you know, the way I got into engineering is uh, my parents, I didn't want my parents driving me to school. I wanted to uh, drive myself to school. So they just handed me a bunch of money and said, if you want to drive to school, go fix up a car. And I was like, okay, I can do that. So I've, 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 I'm pretty comfortable taking apart electrical systems and, and, you know, troubleshooting things. This was, it's not a good situation when you ask your mechanic to install something for you and they look at the electrical state of the car (laughs) and say, I'm not going to do that. Because someone had gotten this car in the 90s and it mm-hmm. just sliced off all the wires. No. Right. And then had rigged 
all the wires from the back of the car uh-huh. uh, in this like haphazard. I have pictures on my Twitter. It is horrible. And then they just like got an entire roll of electrical wire and wrapped it around a leather gear shift cloth and then just shoved it over behind the passenger footwell. So I spent literally 15 hours this week on my back, upside down in a 34-year-old Porsche with a voltage tester, <laughs> mm-hmm. figuring out what every single one of Wire the wires yep. under it. So I, I have to tell you, if you're wondering like which of the wires in your dash in your 1986 Porsche 911 turns on your blower, I can tell that to you. I can help you. Write me. What I most love about this is I'm going to go look at this photo of wires and I'm not going to be able to make head nor tail of it. I'm not even going to be able to tell you, oh, yeah, even I could tell these are bad. Um, this is your this is your superpower or rather your years of learned experience power. <laughs> and I think really, that's so cool. It's just Southern redneck engineering is all it is. That's literally all it is. It's like, uh, you know, like growing up, it's like, you know, I I didn't like when I was a teenager, uh, one of my really good friends and I, we we rebuilt a Mustang. We didn't know anything about taking apart engines. You just get in there and do it. So uh, carrying on the stupid tradition even today. Very proud of that. That's cool. Oh, I love this. I see the picture. This is a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, this is a total nightmare. I, so one of my boyfriends in high school, uh, not a shout out to him because he was kind of gross, but uh, he was a, a big car guy. And he like his job was he installed high end stereos on like $300,000 cars. And um, it, like he had like a, a but he was kind of a, a redneck. Like he had like a big ass like truck and he had like a mini disc like head unit, which <laughs> wow. Uh, was rare, uh, especially in in like 2000 or, or 2001, like whatever, uh, whenever this was when I was in high school. But um, I, I've seen my fair share of um, car stereo things. And so like looking at this and thinking about the nightmare that you're going through with this 86 car going through all this, like I, I'm both in pain, but I'm also so impressed. But I'm also like, let's go back to this for a second. This is like an officially sold head unit that Porsche makes that goes... Could you put can could you conceivably put this into like a, a 1968 Porsche with the, and this would work? Yeah, no. It, in fact, if the 1968 Porsche did not have an aftermarket stereo installed like mine did, right, it would take you five seconds because you're right. just pulling it out and exactly plugging just pulling it out, and putting it back in. Right, yeah. right. No, no. I had to get the original. I had to get a harness, and this was the hard part of it because I had to pin the harness myself, like get Mm -hmm. a, a, and like put it in there, crimp it, stick every pin in, which isn't hard, but when you're trying to troubleshoot all these well, it's different hard, wires. Well, it's hard when right. it's all been cut and when you don't know what right. goes to what and you've got to exactly. like reverse engineer it from, you know, like 34 years ago. Right. No, but no, but, but I, I just have to like give like Porsche, like my like everlasting kudos because Mercedes and some of the other brands, like you were lucky if you can find an official, you know, unit um, for their their cars that are older than a certain age. Like you're lucky if you can get that, and and they don't even change you know their their stuff that often. But you're lucky if you can even get that to work because they change the voltages and and the different power you know uh, consumption things and whatnot. And so you usually have to like go to an aftermarket thing. So I'd assumed when I saw your photos when you put them in our chat, I just assumed that it was some sort of really nice aftermarket nope. like radio that somebody had found a harness for and found like a conversion thing to get working. The fact that that's like an official thing that could go literally, you know, back 50 years if you wanted to is, uh, I mean, I guess that's why people buy and love and are so committed to Porsche because literally you can still get parts for like modern parts for a 50 year old car. That, that's exactly it. It's, it's like Apple that they support <laughs> the things that they make so much longer than other people do. I mean, you know, and they let you fiddle around with them. They do. And you know, I don't own a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, not because I don't think they're more gorgeous than a Porsche. I do. But the thing is you can't drive them and not feel guilty because it's so hard to find parts. Um, I was swapping out uh, one of the relays for my car the uh, the other day, and Porsche has actually gone in 1986 uh, version of it. 
it failed a lot. So what they did was they went back through, they, they made a modern version of a relay for a 1986 Porsche, and they're selling that as the new OEM part that nice. you can put in there and it doesn't fail. That's why I, I like this because you can keep it. And, and, and if you take pride in like the same pride you have in building your PC, Christina. Yeah, right? totally. It's it's literally the same impulse to understand the system, take pride in it working correctly, and upgrade it where you want to. There, there's no other uh, car manufacturer, I believe, that lets you do that, like Porsche, which is why I love it so much. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I mean, like, um, Grant's really into Volvos, although his first love is Porsches, um, and, and he's had a number of them over the years, never when we've been together, but, you know, he'd, like, have one kind of fixed up, sell it, you know, whatever, and I think that's why he has probably liked them. I never knew that um, until, ironically, talking to you, is that, you know, they have, like, like you're saying, like, you have this, like, ability to really keep it up and and um, take care of it. But I'm just really impressed that you've been able to modernize your 34-year-old car. I'm also really proud of you for successfully figuring out what all those wires did. <laughs> um, I, I hope you diagrammed it somewhere. This is where I wish that I could have given you the note air because you could have been like diagramming like while you were doing that. Right, you know? right. And, like, I really and, like, should do that. Yeah, like because uh, I, I know it off the top of my I head was now. I was going to say, yeah. you probably should because I think that would be useful if, if for no other reason, it can like, be a resource know, if for somebody else. Exactly. Right. Cause, cause that's the thing is that somebody, cause usually what happens with any sort of car like this is somebody's put in an aftermarket head unit. They've cut stuff to hell. Somebody just did a, a, a chop shop job of just, you know, shoving it in there. And yep. when you're trying to kind of clean up for it, like if you, cause if you plug in the wrong thing, the wrong way, like you're going to fry the whole thing yep. and, and potentially mess up other systems. So Yeah. I'm, I'm, I love this. This is so nerdy, but I, it's, I'm so it's glad. It's a beautiful car too. It I is. Mean, it's it a beautiful really car. Is. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I guess that sort of brings us to Brie. What else are you doing this week? <laughs> well, to do, tomorrow's last day of the, uh, the, the Trump presidency. Thank goodness. Uh, so uh, I took two weeks off uh, to, uh, which is why I had so much time to work in the car. Uh, we're getting back to work at rebellion and trying to figure out what's next. Uh, I'm putting a video this week, trying to pressure, uh, Democrats to give, uh, the $2,000 to people that they promised, uh, they would deliver. So that's what I'm doing. Thank you for that. (laughs) Christina, what, what are you doing? Well, first of all, um, I'm uh, I'm yelling at people on the internet so that Joe can have his damn Peloton. It's because so silly. Can we talk about this super quickly? Yeah, yes, yes, please. Yeah, let's do it because this is a fun bonus dessert. Okay. People are saying that because Joe Biden has a Peloton, people are saying it's a security risk to have that in the White House. Go. It, and it is. It 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 is a bit. Um, you know, Peloton does have a camera and a and a mic on it, uh, even though those features aren't used. Um, but the thing is, like, he could call up Peloton. I'm sure they would ship him a version of that with those parts removed. It, you could crack yes. it open and just cut those wires. You could cut the wires. Michelle Obama had one. Mm-hmm. So right. they've clearly the, done this the before. The fact that there's precedent, and also it's like I, I don't imagine they're going to put the Peloton right in the Oval Office and have conversations around it. Like put it in a garage, isolate it, put it in like a deadened a, a deadened room or something. I don't know. There's so many solutions sure. to this. But also, let's talk about precedent for a second. C- can we please? Because this is what irks me. We literally had a man in office who was before Twitter was the one who took the platform away from him. And let's be very clear about that. The platform had to kick him off, all right? It wasn't It wasn't the government. It wasn't IT services. It wasn't anything else. Who was literally putting national security at risk, sometimes dozens of times a day, was literally threatening nuclear war by, like, getting into tits for tats with, like, the North Koreans and the Chinese, like, not irregularly. He was actively, you know, calling for violence. Like he was doing this on his own accord and he was doing it on an insecure or an unsecure, I guess I should say, Android phone that I think that when at least one of them, at one point we tracked uh, because I did way too much work and sent out freaking, you know, FOIA requests and whatnot. At one point it was like an, it was like a Samsung Galaxy Note (laughs) 5 that hadn't been updated in years. He was also using his iPhone, which he wasn't supposed to have to call people privately so he could rail you know, about how unfairly he was being tweeted, apparent, uh, treated. I guess that's what he what he used to, to call Sean Hannity and some other people. 
So if we're going to talk about precedence, can we maybe like, A, realize that, yeah, you can just snip the wires on the microphone and the camera and and Joe doesn't need to go to live classes. It's not a big deal. Uh, Michelle Obama had one. I'm sure they can deal with it. And B, like, look at the precedent that's been set mm. by the last four years and all the insecurity there. Can we can we chill? Like, can we <laughs> honestly chill? I, I mean, I would push back and say, let's not take the last four years as any kind of precedent for anything. <laughs> However, I understand your the spiritual point that you're making, which is this feels to me like just one of those things that, oh, we need to hand ring over something. Let's talk about Joe Biden's Peloton and also kids playing too many video games in a pandemic. (laughs) It's been a banner week. (laughs) Totally. Also, like, you know, people like, oh, he's not a man of the people because he has a Peloton. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Shut up. Like, I know so many people who are, like, not wealthy, who have a Peloton, who spend $100 a month on it. It's less than their gym membership. They have the payment plan and they have it. Is it expensive? Yes, it is. Is it like a rich person expensive? No, honestly, it's not. It's cost what a Nordic track costs. Gym equipment is overpriced. That's how it works. Like he's also a rich old man. Like, uh, of course he has a Peloton. He has two 747s and a helicopter and uh, a household staff and a bunch of aides and a bunch of other things. Like, let the man live, honestly. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. Hey, so. just fun fact, as someone that owns a Peloton, you can put it in Android developer mode. <laughs> I tried this. And you can watch and Netflix? You can actually, and you can notch Netflix on it. See, that to me, that's how, why I would get one. I'd be like, of course, I don't have the room for it and, and I don't need it for a lot of reasons, but that's what I would do. I'd be like, yeah, I'm watching Netflix on my Peloton. And then I would <laughs> come, slowly come to the realization You've just spent two thousand dollars to watch Netflix and <laughs> not pedal a new and, and tablet, <laughs> but this one has pedals. <laughs> that you're probably not even pedaling, Christina. See, I know myself. <sighs> so I, I will say this, Bree, since you are our, our Peloton like um, uh, lover here, and everybody who has it loves it. Uh, who I've ever talked to, would you like? Would you like to high five um, Joe on, oh, yeah. on on the Peloton? Oh yeah. I mean, right now, since my knee surgery, I only Peloton with one leg, which is sure. kind of sad, but I would definitely, I would high five him and uh, yeah, I would do that. Honestly, I, I feel like, I mean, you probably wouldn't be able to do this because he, unlike the the person who last inhabited his office, uh, has respect for things like, you know, separations between business and and public interests. But this would be like a great like unity ride if he just did like a Peloton class yeah. You know, like where yeah. he just like, in the, you know, like remote thing with people just like having a having a unity ride, like regardless of like where you're from, just like everybody riding together. Okay. That would be I, I have fun. to tell you this. So, Christina, the yes. Peloton community is so. I know. Crazy. <laughs> I know. Crazy right wing. There's a Peloton. The only group for women Pelotoning is uh, on Facebook is the Peloton Moms group. I've heard <laughs> I about this. I have to tell you. It is. I, there's not much that makes me like anti-feminist, but this group comes close because it's it's women like, hey, we're going on our seventh vacation this year. Uh, where should we go stay at Disney World? The $1,000 hotel or the $1,500 hotel? Right. Hey, uh, I'm bored with my one-year-old uh, $100,000 SUV. I'm going to get a new one. Which one should I get? And then it's like, ha, I'm going to, I need to to carry my gun while I'm Peloton. And which of these concealed carry holsters should I use? Which I swear to God is a real oh, frequent no. post in that no, group. I, yeah, so I, yeah, QAnon, vaccine denial, everywhere my friend who lives in orange my my friend who lives in orange county who's very not orange county i might add um uh, tells me about this sometimes so you're not the first one to say this although it'll be interesting because they just signed a big deal with beyonce Uh so i i'm i'm which like a huge coup for peloton oh they were i was i was gonna say i was gonna say like how 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 did that go over because they had a breakdown they're (gasps) like when what is this why is Peloton being so politically correct? As if you're not like taking the classes and they're not like, you know, it's new agey, right? This isn't, right. it's not Sean Hannity taking a Peloton class. No, know? exactly. I was going to say like, uh, also who doesn't want to, who doesn't want to listen to Beyonce when they ride? Like I honestly right. feel yeah. bad for SoulCycle, but um, yeah. 
Anyway, I think he should do a unity ride, piss off the Peloton moms even more, but also just bring everybody together because yeah. other people can use the app too. Like we can all just go on like a virtual Peloton ride with Joe. I, I think, <laughs> look, 46, call me. I have really good ideas. How about Joe? We, we, we compromise and Joe Biden brings his favorite concealed carry holster <laughs> while How he's about- riding. We end the show. <laughs> Although great, I mean, great brand tie-in there, Brie. I think that's a real <laughs> strong idea, and I hope your pitch deck is ready. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams, and you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. And Brianna? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brianna Wu. And if you want to support uh, Rebellion Pack this week as we fight to get you $2,000, you can do that at Help the Rebellion. Woohoo. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Doom Quasar and at youtube.com slash Polygon. I hope everyone is doing well this week. Uh, stay, uh, stay chill, stay cool, stay hopeful. I hope for the best for all of our listeners come Wednesday and Thursday. And we will be back with you next week for another episode of Rocket. This episode is terminated. 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 Terminated.